0: podcast is brought to you by Pastor Evan Havens and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You know, if you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is Prayer, Just Do It. And I am so excited about what God is going to birth in each and every one of you tonight. Because I believe that you're going to walk away from this place a completely different person than when you came in. And that's been my prayer this week, that God would birth a desire and a a need in your heart to pray. Before we get started, I want to take up today's tithes and offerings, and what better way to kick off a service about prayer than to simply pray and ask that God would give us wisdom and direction on how and how much we should give. And so if you bow your heads with me, Father God, I thank you so much that you instruct us through your word and through your voice on how to give, on how to be generous. And Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment right now that you would speak to each and every person in this room, that your voice would connect with their heart and that they would know your will and that they would be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. So hey, as the ushers are coming down to collect those tithes and offerings that you have, I wanna let you know about a couple of different things. First of all, If you're a man in the house, let me hear you. Good, there's two. That's fantastic. (laughs) So Saturday, November 16th, which is not this Saturday, but the Saturday right after that, we're gonna gather together here at the church and watch the Texas Tech football game. Kickoff is at 11, so it starts then. We're gonna eat some great barbecue. We're gonna have nachos. We're gonna have all sorts of different things to eat. Cost to get in is only $5, and that just covers your food. If you are not a fan of football, no problem. We'll have stuff for you guys to do as well. But we just want to get together and hang out as men. So make sure you're there for that. Um, if you have your shoebox gifts for Operation Christmas Child, those are due this Sunday. It's really easy. All you have to do is bring it in a plastic sack. And then we have purchased specialized gift box from Operation Christmas Child. And those will be in classroom two, which is right down this hallway. So once you get here Sunday, you can take your bag. If you don't have time, you can just drop it off or you can pack it the way you would want to pack it and put that label on there. So make sure you bring it this Sunday. And then lastly, our Turkey Day giveaway. We're partnering with the Dream Center this year during Thanksgiving, and we're gonna be able to help them put together 350 Thanksgiving meals and deliver them to people in need all around our city. I'm extremely excited about it. If you want more information about that or you wanna sign up, there's a missions and outreach page at faithchurchlubbock.com, and it's really easy to sign up there and we'll get you more information, okay? So let's get into the word. I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. So people have different ideas about what they think prayer is. They have different ideas about why we should pray, different ideas about when we should pray, and different ideas about how we should pray. And if you talk to any person, they're probably going to give you a slightly different answer. I want to debunk some myths today. You see, prayer isn't something that is formal. It's not something that you have to say these certain words in order for it to work. That's not true at all. Prayer is not us conjuring up the power of God. God's power needs no conjuring. He is infinitely powerful. Prayer is not something that we have to do at a certain time. It's not something that we have to do in a certain place. Actually, prayer is something completely different. See, I've heard it's tons of excuses all throughout my life and I've heard people say I, I don't know how to pray I've heard people say I'm not good at praying I've heard people say that praying is not my gifting I've heard people say I, I know I should pray but fill in the blank I've heard people say wow I wish I could pray like that I've heard people say I'll pray more when I get older or maybe, I don't have time to pray all that much right now. See, if, if that is a statement, any one of those statements or something that you've ever said or thought about yourself, then you've missed the point of prayer completely. And I hope tonight that the blinders would be lifted and that you would have an understanding of the significance and importance of prayer in your own life. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us exactly what prayer is. He says, this is how you should pray. And I feel like there's no better person to look to than Jesus to instruct us on praying. We're gonna start in verse five. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. He's saying there's not certain things you have to say. You don't have to say things a certain amount of times for God to hear you. Do not be like them. I love this part. It says, For the Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, there's been times in my life where I've thought, Well, why pray then? Like if God already knows what I need. If he knows everything, then why would I even pray? But I'm gonna show you in just a second why, exactly why you should pray. And verse nine says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means let your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you know, you know what I believe the greatest myth about prayer is? I believe the greatest myth about prayer is that prayer is talking to God. I would say that if you would ask people what prayer is, almost everyone would say talking to God. And that's almost right, but not quite. Prayer is not talking to God. You see, Jesus, before he taught the disciples how to pray and everyone that was, that was listening to him teach... He said the word Father four times. Prayer is communicating with your Father. And communicating is only half talking. In order to communicate with somebody, you have to talk, but you also have to listen. And all too many times, we miss out on that crucial second part of communicating with our Father, and we don't take time to listen. Jesus began his prayer by acknowledging that he was simply talking to his father. My father in heaven. That's how we started. So what if we made the same excuses that I talked about earlier about talking with our dad? It would sound ridiculous, right? What if I said, I don't really know how to talk to my dad. My dad's sitting right here. Looks like Pastor Stormy calls him Abraham. My kids, they don't know who Santa Claus is. When they see Santa Claus at like the store, they think it's pop. He says, what if you said, I'm not good at talking to my dad. Talking with my dad really isn't my gifting. What if you said, I know I should talk to my dad more, but I wish I could talk to my dad like that. That's one that I've probably never heard. I'll talk with my dad more when I get older. Or I don't have time to talk with my dad all that much. Maybe, maybe You can say one of these things about your relationship with your dad, but I hope you would agree with me that if you can honestly say one of those statements about your earthly dad, that you may have a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with him. So what I want to show you tonight is that if you can say one of those statements about your heavenly father, that maybe you don't have a healthy relationship with him. So I want to ask you three questions tonight that will help us get to a place where we understand what prayer is and the first question is why should I pray I have five reasons why you should pray the first one just what Jesus said God is our father and just like your earthly father wants to communicate with you your earthly father wants you to hear things from him and he wants to hear things from you that's the same thing with your father in heaven father God wants to tell you things He wants to hear things from you. See, the other day, my dad and I were driving to church together. I usually eat dinner at their house on Tuesday nights because we both come to the church for our Bible study or for prayer. And I got in the car and he said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. He said, I really feel like you should be careful the things you say about your daughter. See, my daughter, if you've heard me talk about her before, she is extremely strong-willed. And if you have a strong-willed child, you know that that can be a difficult road, especially in the early days, I feel like. And she had been wearing me down. And in front of my family one day, I said some statements that I shouldn't have said, and I said things like, like, I don't think what I'm teaching her is working. She just consistently disobeys me, and she, she hasn't been obeying at all. And I was so frustrated, and those things came out of my mouth, and I didn't think another thing about it, and my dad was right. I needed to watch what I was saying about my daughter because I know my dad loves me and because I love him and because we have a relationship and because I trust him, I listened to what he said and I went home that night after our Bible study and I taught my daughter Philippians 2.13 and Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him and she learned that verse. I had to teach her what a couple of the words meant but she got it and that night, I always make her pray, for, pray and thank God for something. She has to be grateful for one thing every day. And so I said, Ellie, what are you grateful for today? And she said, I'm grateful that God is giving me strength to stay in my bed tonight, which is one of her biggest struggles. She got it. She understood. Then a couple days later, I bought her the game Shoots and Ladders. Great classic. Great for the little kids. Not as good for the adults, but it's okay. So she, she spins the little spinner, and it lands on number four. And she goes, ooh, number four, that's like, for God is working in you, giving you, th-. I was like, yes, that's what number four is like. So she understands, and she gets it, and she's internalizing it. Yes, she still disobeys, but now when she disobeys, I speak that into her, that God is working in her, giving her the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And there's been change in her spirit, and my life is better because I listen to my dad. Same thing happened to me with my heavenly father. And not too long ago, he, he spoke to me just like my dad did. And he said, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, yes, God. He said, you need to do a better job of loving your wife. And I was like, I love my wife. He goes, well, I know you love your wife. He said, you need to do a better job of loving her like I love you. And I said, what do you mean? You see, My wife is an extremely hard worker, and she takes care of our kids and our house with absolute excellence. And there were times just in my own mind, in my own heart, that I would come home from work, and because I just have this strange love for everything to be fair, I would think without saying it, well, you know what? I washed the dishes yesterday, so don't you think you should maybe wash them tonight? And I would think things like, you know, I changed the last diaper, so I'm not real sure why I'm doing it again. And those things got on the inside of me, and I allowed those thoughts to kind of take over and change how I felt about her. And then I let the enemy convince me that the feelings I had were her fault. And the Lord told me, aren't you glad that I don't make you give half? Aren't you glad that I don't love you in a way where if you don't do your part, I don't do mine? Aren't you glad that I don't love you to where you give 50% and I give 50%? You see, Jesus gave it all for us. And he reminded me of the scripture that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And so it completely changed. And now to the best of my ability, I love my wife and that's my goal. No matter 50%, that doesn't matter. What matters is that I serve her and love her. And there's been significant change in my heart and in my marriage. All because... I listen to my father, and since I obeyed his voice, my life is significantly better. Your father wants to communicate with you. He wants to tell you things, and he does that in prayer. Another reason why we pray is that prayer is the primary means of expressing gratitude and honor and praise to God. Did you know that in Psalms 100 verse 4, it says, Enter his his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Come into the presence of God by thanking him and praising him. And how do you do that? With your mouth in prayer. You say, I thank you, God, for all that you're doing in my life. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for everything you've provided. I praise your name because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. The primary way that we honor God is through prayer. The third reason why we pray is that prayer invites God to work in our lives. I've heard people pray, and you can tell that these people think that prayer informs God of their situation. And they'll say prayers like, uh, dear Lord, I thank you for um, my, my cousin Sally, you know, Lord, um, my, my mom's sister's daughter, and, you, and, and they have cancer, Lord, and it's in their kidney, you know, the, the left kidney, and I just wanted to tell you. And you're like, he already knows. The Bible says that God is omniscient, and that's a big word that means he knows everything. Prayer never informs God of anything, but prayer does invite God to move and work in your situation. We serve a God who is a perfect gentleman, and he wants to be invited. The Bible says, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, it's right after 1st 2nd Samuel and then 1 and 2 Kings, and then you get to 1 and 2nd Chronicles. 2nd Chronicles chapter 7. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. I feel like I say that at least once every time I speak, but I like a lot of verses. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. It says, If everybody say if if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And verse 15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. What is this place? A place of humility, a place of seeking the face of God, and a place of prayer. He says, my eyes will be on you. My ears will be on you. I'll see you. I'll hear you. Prayer doesn't inform God of anything, but it does invite him to move with miraculous power in your life. The fourth reason why we pray is that prayer brings peace in the midst of a storm. In the Bible, the disciples were were in the boat, and the storms came, and and the waves were crashing against their boat, and they thought they were going to die, and they were afraid for their lives. You know what Jesus was doing? He was asleep on his pillow. God's not worried. He's all-powerful, almighty, and he knows you and he sees you. And when we pray and invite God to move in our lives, it brings peace even in the midst of a storm. And the last reason why we should pray, and this isn't an exhaustive list, (coughs) excuse me, is that prayer humbles us and allows us to cast our cares on God. And the Bible says that he cares for us. Turn really quick to 1 Peter, all the way back towards the end of the Bible. If you've been in church on Sundays, Pastor Stormy has been talking about this scripture a lot during the last few uh, um, sermons in his wilderness series. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties or all your cares on him because he cares for you and when you pray and you lay those cares and anxieties down at his feet bible says he cares for you and it allows you to humble yourself because you know what when you pray and you ask God to move in a situation you're essentially saying I I can't handle this on my own I'm not cut out for this but you are God and we invite him and humble ourselves. He comes and he moves. So I hope you're catching it. Another thing that, that when I talked to our prayer warriors just last or yesterday, another thing they said was that prayer is not something that can be taught. Prayer is something that has to be caught. And I hope you're catching the vision of prayer. I hope you're catching the reason why we pray. The second thing I want to talk about is when should we pray? So again, if we talk about praying, just being communicating with our Father, then this is kind of another silly question. When should I talk to my dad? Well, whenever you want. You should pray when you want to, and you should pray when you don't want to. You should pray when you need something from God. You should pray when you don't need anything at all. You should pray when you, when you wanna hear God's voice, and you should pray when you really don't wanna hear God's voice. You should pray in the morning, and you should pray in the afternoon. You should pray in the evening, You should pray in the middle of the night when the Lord wakes you up. You should pray while you're in the shower and while you're driving your car. You should pray while you're cooking dinner and while you're studying for your exams. You should pray while you're playing with your kids. You see, my point is you can always be in communication with God. And I'm not saying that you have to always be talking to God and where people are like, that guy's always talking to himself. It's getting pretty weird. No, but remember, prayer is communication with your father. Talking is only half of it. You can be in a constant state of listening to the voice of your Father. We serve a speaking God, and He's always speaking. But the question is, do we listen? Have we tuned our ear to listen to the voice of God and hear it and allow it to get on the inside of us? You see, before sin entered the world, in the book of Genesis... The book of Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describes the world where God was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and he was talking with them. They knew God and God knew them. There was a beautiful relationship between God and man. But when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a severing and a breaking of that relationship. In the Old Testament, it talks about the veil in the temple. And the veil separated the people from the presence of God. God spoke to people through prophets and priests in those days. But there was that separation until Jesus came. And the very instant that Jesus died on that cross, the Bible says that, that the, the earth became dark and there was a great earthquake and the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And that symbolized and represented that Jesus had effectively reconciled our relationship with the Father. So that not anymore do we have to go through a prophet or a priest to hear the voice of God. Now we have access to the voice of God at any time because of what Jesus did. And I think how great a tragedy it is that we neglect to experience something that Jesus paid such a high price for. Yes, he absolutely paid for our salvation. And I'm not downplaying that at all. But look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Go back to your left just a little bit from 1 Peter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I hope this opens your eyes to something today that you hadn't thought of before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And I think that's reason to say amen already. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Part of what Jesus paid for was to reconcile us to our Father God. And I don't know about you, but I am eternally grateful that I get to have a relationship, a personal relationship, a one-on-one relationship with my Father. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray continually, be in a constant state of listening and talking to God. You see, Daniel, he had an appointment with God three times a day. The Bible says he prayed morning, noon, and night. And there was nothing that got Daniel to break that appointment with his father. Even when he was threatened with death, if he continued praying, he continued praying. See, I think that even though I believe that we should be in a constant state of prayer, continually praying and continually listening, opening our ear to hear the voice of God, I also think it's essential that we learn to set aside time with God that we learn to make an appointment with God and to keep it, to get alone with him. Like Jesus said when he was teaching us how to pray, pray in secret. Pray in that place where it's just you and your father. Set aside time to hear his voice and to speak with him, to bring your concerns before him and to listen in his response to the answers to your prayers. So be still and be quiet and listen to God. So when should I pray? Yes, you should pray all the time. But set aside time every day where you have an appointment with God that you keep. The last question I wanna answer is, is how should I pray? To Jesus, we talked about when he said the Lord's Prayer and he taught us how to pray. And I think that it's not necessarily that those are the exact words that we should pray every time we pray, but he was giving us what the position of our hearts should be. See, he said, our Father in heaven... That's a recognition of who he is. He said, hallowed be your name or your name be kept holy. That's praise. That's adoration. Just like I said earlier, the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's humility. That's submission of my will to his. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Tell God what you need. Request his provision for your life. He says, forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven our debtors. The Bible says, confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The Bible also says, if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. You know what another thing I think about this though? Yes, we pray and we ask God for forgiveness. And yes, we forgive others. But I also think that Jesus was saying here, Pray to be like God. We were formed, we were created in the image of God. Jesus says, we forgive just as God forgives. We love just as he loved. We love because he first loved us. We are givers because he is givers. And I think part of what this means is that we need to be praying that the Lord shape us more into his image, that he make us to look more like him. The last thing he says is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a request for the aid of heaven in spiritual warfare. So the Bible says we are in a battle, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. We are in a battle whether you like it or not and whether you realize it or not. And when we pray, we invite God to come to our aid in this spiritual battle. When I was at Awaken, the women's retreat that we had, and I was playing guitar, My wife, she was in the session, and she heard a clear word from God about the direction that my family was supposed to go in. At the same time, I heard the same word from God. We were not together. We were in the same room, but we weren't together at all. After the service, she came up to me and she said, the Lord really spoke to me, and I said, did he say this? And she said, yes, he did. Because he was speaking to both of us, giving us both direction for our family, and confirming at the same time that this was him speaking to us. Soon as we got home, The enemy hit us hard. Two weeks ago today, I was in the emergency room with my son, who's 18 months old, because he'd had a febrile seizure. And his fever went up so high that it caused him to have a seizure. And we had to rush him to the emergency room while he was crying but unresponsive. We had the peace of God in our hearts during that time, but it was a scary, scary time. We get to the emergency room, we were there. The Lord's been attacking my wife's body. He's been attacking me with sickness, attacking my family with sickness, with confusion. But there's never been doubt because we had a word from our Father. And so we've been praying and doing battle and warfare in the spiritual realm, battling our enemy who is opposing us because we know we have direction from God. We heard his voice and that's what we're following, whether we're opposed or not. And when you pray, You are doing spiritual warfare, and you're inviting God to come to your aid. How do you listen to God? There's two ways. First of all, the perfect will of God is right here. This is God's perfect will. If you can find it in here, you can believe it is absolute truth because the word of God is infallible, and God is immutable, which means he doesn't change. This book contains no errors. So I challenge you to begin praying the scriptures In Romans it says, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. So if you're struggling with your self-image or with a battle that you're going through, you say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I thank you, Father God, that you've made me a conqueror through Christ. The Bible says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. If you've been struggling in your sleep, begin to pray the word. Thank you, Lord God, that you had given me sweet sleep tonight. Pray sweet sleep over your children. The Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So pray against fear in your home and pray that the Lord would bring the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind into your house. If you can find it in here, this book, pray it and you're praying the perfect will of God. But what about when you need specific direction? What about when you need to know if you're supposed to marry this person or not or if you're supposed to buy this car or not or if you're supposed to buy this house or wait for something else? He'll also give you specific direction if you'll listen The Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. Shouldn't I realize the other day? Some of us may not know what the voice of God sounds like. And the Bible tells us exactly what the voice of God sounds like. Turn to Isaiah 55, and I'm going to begin to close with this. You guys can come up. In Isaiah 55, see, the voice of God never sounds like fear. Like I said earlier, the Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear. If you are ever afraid of anything, that is not the Lord leading you, ever. He will not lead you by fear. So what does His voice sound like? Isaiah 55, I'm gonna start in verse two. It says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then in verse three, it says, incline your ear, listen. Come to me, hear that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Turn to the next page in verse 11 of the same chapter. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. So what does the voice of God sound like? It sounds like peace. When you feel peace, the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace and we're led by his peace. When the Lord spoke to Elijah, the voice of the Lord wasn't in the hurricane, it wasn't in the fire, it wasn't in the earthquake. The voice of God was a still, small voice and that still, small voice will speak to you through peace in your heart. When I was preparing for for this message, I knew for a couple of weeks that I would speak on prayer. The Lord spoke to me directly and told me to speak on prayer. The Monday came and I didn't have any specific direction and so I searched through the scriptures and I was looking for scriptures on prayer. And there's a lot, I found a ton of them. And I sat down, I started to write the sermon and I I just had no idea. It's like this is in two days and I'm totally lost. And so I closed my computer. I walked over here to the sanctuary I just walked back and forth and I said, God, I need your direction. These people don't need to hear my words, it's worthless. They need to hear your word for them. Speak to me. And the peace of God came over me and I just sat and listened. I was still before God. And he gave me specific direction for today and I walked back over to my office after I was done. And I was able to write what I'm speaking to you today because he gave me wisdom, he gave me direction. You know what's interesting, I was looking yesterday, when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, it specifically says that he prayed for an hour. He took Simon, Peter, James and John with him and they fell asleep and Jesus had gone on a little further and it says after an hour he came back and they were sleeping and he said, couldn't you pray with me for an hour? You know what the interesting thing is that I never really thought about? In that hour, it's recorded that Jesus said one sentence. He said, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So what did he do for the rest of the hour? I firmly believe that Jesus sat in the presence of his father, that he was still, and that he knew that his father was God, that he inclined his ear, and he listened, and he let his father affirm him, And he let his father encourage him, and he let his father strengthen him for what would be the most challenging thing that any human on the face of the planet has ever and will ever face. And so when you pray, don't just talk, but listen. Be still. Put away your cell phone, put away the distractions, go somewhere quiet, and just listen. And for a few minutes tonight, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've never sat still for any amount of time and just listened to the voice of God. But I want to let you do that tonight. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. These guys are just going to play softly. And then we're just going to listen. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Father, we want to communicate with you by listening to you. Speak to us by your peace and your voice. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.